Welcome to episode 27 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we're back to our Women of the Bible series, and we're going to start with the first woman, the woman who started it all. We're going to talk about Eve today, the very first woman. I am actually very intrigued by Eve's story, but I have to admit that when it comes to the so-called curse um, that is placed on her by God, I kind of wrestle with the meaning of that, at least I should say the second half of the curse. So because I'm in the midst of still kind of figuring that out, and because there's about a few dozen different theories on that, I'm not going to touch that particular subject today. Instead, I'm hoping that we can really take an empathetic look at someone who was commonly villainized by Christian culture. Villainized, she's called a temptress. She is blamed for lots of things. And so because of that, I just want to take a look at her and really view her through a lens of she is a human and how can we be empathetic towards another human. Now, there are some New Testament verses that also reference Eve, but I'm not going to read them today. I'm not going to focus on them. Again, it's something I'm still wrestling with. So I might come back to them at another point, but today we're just going to look at the references to her from the book of Genesis, specifically the first couple chapters. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface-level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, thank you so much for the way that you have designed human beings. Thank you that you made them in your own image. What a blessing to us that we are the creatures you chose to make in your own image. Thank you that we have the ability to reason and think and make decisions. And you gave us and continue to give us that ability, Lord. You are the giver of life, the creator of all. And I pray that ultimately, as we talk about Eve's story, we will be pointed back to you time and time again. I pray that your words would come out of my mouth and that you would lead this podcast today. and highlight in the minds of anyone listening the parts that you want to highlight and help people to think through, including myself. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's begin with some personal context. I am someone who did not grow up going to church, and my Bible literacy was basically close to zero when I was in seventh grade because I hadn't gone to church or grown up in a environment where we talked about the Bible or anything like that. And so when I started attending a Christian middle school in seventh grade, everything was brand new to me. I remember we had to take this placement test to see which Bible class we would be placed into. And I'm pretty sure I got a very low score on it. I had no idea who any of the people that they were talking about, like Abraham and Moses 
and all these different people that were on the test. I didn't know who they were. So I just circled random things on the multiple choice. Literally no idea. So in seventh grade English class, I actually have this very vivid memory, um, which is not common for me. I've often a pretty terrible memory for things from my past, but I had this English teacher and she was talking about giving birth to her daughter. I don't remember the context of that. I'm sure there was a reason. And I remember her specifically pointing out that she blamed Eve for the pain of childbearing. Now, she was a single mom. She was a cool teacher. She was a really cool person. And I don't know why, but that comment always really stuck with me because I think it's one that I've heard time and time again through songs, popular culture, people just being like, ah, Eve, she cursed us with childbirth pain and all that kind of stuff. And what people are referring to, I believe, is Genesis 3.16, which occurs right after Eve sinned. And God said to her, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, again, I'm just going to focus on the first sentence in that so-called curse. Um, the second sentence is one I want to take more time to examine later on my own and then maybe talk about on the podcast at another point, the part about the husband. But what she was talking about, of course, was the painful labor and the pains in childbearing being very severe. And I've heard Eve being blamed time and time again for this, which obviously was a consequence of her sin. But I think that we can also go further in this. I think we can also number one, see that that was a consequence of Eve's sin, but also see that she's not just a villainous character in a story. She's a real whole person. And I want us to take some time to look at the other side of Eve today. So as always, let's go ahead and start with the Bible. It's going to be quite a bit of reading. I'm just going to take selections that talk about Eve. So in Genesis 1, God made the world, right? He made the heavens and the earth, etc., And then starting in verse 26 of chapter one of Genesis, it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image and the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So just to point out here that God created men and women in his own image. Yes, he created Adam, and then he also created Eve, and they are the first man and the first woman. He told them both, to be fruitful and multiply, and he told them both to govern the earth. Both of them are given this creed, this command. And everything he made was good. Now, Genesis chapter 2, 
we have God making Adam from the dust. It's kind of more zoomed in on what was going on with creating the human beings. So Adam is made from the dust and God literally breathes life into him and places him in the Garden of Eden. And then starting in verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Okay, all I want to say here is that the man and woman were united and they were one. We will come back to Eve being called his helper later on. All right, now the famous chapter three. This is often titled, if you look it up in your Bible or a Bible, it is often titled The Fall, which is just talking about how humans committed the first sin. So chapter three, starting in verse one of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. 
Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. All right, by the way, I've been reading today from the NIV. Now, what happens after this is that God tells Adam that the ground will be hard to work and that the ground is now cursed. And then starting in verse 20, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living things. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So now clearly Adam and Eve, they're out of the garden. And this is where we usually stop thinking about Eve. We say, okay, she was cursed, she's cursed us, and then we move on. But I think we need to follow her story one more chapter. It's just a few verses. And let's look a little bit deeper. So in Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Let's not forget here that her older son actually goes on to kill her younger son. So Cain, the older, kills Abel, the younger. And so not only did she actually experience the loss of one of her children, but she also endured childbirth. The last mention of Eve is at the end of chapter four, and we get kind of the last glimpse of her besides what's in the New Testament. So verse 25 says, Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. Okay, we will begin with what are the attributes of Eve? Well, I think first, let's go back to the part where they were first created, meaning Adam and Eve. God really made her the strong helper of Adam. Now, the word helper here, it doesn't actually denote inferiority. So I know a lot of women, especially myself, when we read this, we're like, helper? What the heck? (laughs) But it's not meant that way at all. Actually, God is sometimes called helper in the Old Testament using the same word here, which is azer, spelled E-Z-E-R. I referenced before Margaret Mosco. I'm going to link her in the show notes again, the article that refers to the word helper and where I got the information that I'm about to share. But she says on her website, quote, in Hebrew, the word for helper used in Genesis 2.18 and 2.20 is azer. And it is always and only used in the Old Testament in the context of vitally important and powerful acts of rescue and support, end quote. So again, I'll link the rest of that article, and actually it has all the different references to where in the Old Testament that same word is used. One example is from Psalm 33:20, just to give you an example. And that verse says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. So as you can see, this word is not meant to denote being unable, um, being less than in any way, because it's It's a word that is used to refer to God, and obviously God is powerful and strong. So the word actually implies strength and not really inferiority or subservience of any kind. So Eve is equal to Adam, and she is the strong helper of Adam. She is not Adam's inferior. 
I'm not sure what she's helping him with, though. Like when you really get down and think about it, it's like, what was she meant to help him with? I'm not sure. Um, It could refer to helping with his loneliness. It could refer to helping him with the tasks that God had given to humankind. I'm not sure. I really don't know. But it is something to kind of consider. Like, why is she called the helper? The second thing about her is, again, I want to mention, yes, she sinned. So yes, Eve disobeys God and she eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the consequences have been severe, not just for her, but also for her family and for all of humanity. All of us now sin. And I don't want to discount that. It's important. It is important that she committed the sin. It is important that Adam also committed the sin. I just think, though, that it's focused on so much. And yes, it's important, but there's also other things about Eve. And let's also just remember that all humans have sinned. In Romans 3, verse 22 to 24, it says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And the coming of Christ is really alluded to in the curse that is given to the serpent, who is Satan, that the offspring of the woman is going to crush his head. And remember that Jesus has actually paid the sin penalty for all. And also that Adam sinned too. He's not guilt-free here and he's blaming Eve for his sin. And I think really that when he does this, it's like an abdication of his personal responsibility. It's like he's sitting there thinking, well, it's her fault. It's not my fault. But I think we also need to hold Adam accountable for his own decisions. Even if Eve did it first, she ate of the fruit first. That doesn't mean that Adam had to do it too. Both of them chose and made the decision to sin. The third thing about Eve is that she felt shame. Now it says that her and Adam hid when they realized that they were naked and that they also made coverings for themselves out of fig leaves. And I think that this is very relatable. When we sin and feel shame, I think our first reaction is to cover it, hide it, hope that it goes away somehow. Hope no one will notice and see it. But I think ultimately we can rest in the comfort that God sees all. We can't hide from him, which can sound really scary, but it's a given anyways. Like he's everywhere present and he's all knowing. We can't hide things from God. And yet he comes at us with so much undeserved grace. God has so much grace for us. And I think we can really see that in the fact that he continues to provide for Adam and Eve and the fact that he made them clothes that were better than the ones that they had made for themselves. Number four, she was the first woman to be pregnant and give birth. And I think this is really where we can start to feel the empathy. I was just pregnant last year and I gave birth in January of this year. And honestly, I actually cannot fathom what this was like for her. She was the first woman to be pregnant and to give birth. I had books. I could read on the internet. I had friends to talk to. I had my mom to ask for help. 
I had all these different resources that could tell me about pregnancy, what to expect, what happens when you give birth. I had nurses, I had doctors, I had experts in the medical profession, I had an epidural, (laughs) okay? But Eve, she had no female people to help her. She had no female friends. She didn't have any friends, really, except for Adam. She also had no books. She had no mom. You guys, Eve had no mom. No one had ever gone through this before. No one could tell her what to expect, how to cope with pregnancy and childbirth. No one was there to stitch her back up afterwards unless somehow Adam knew how to do that. I don't know. But, you know, when you give birth, a lot of times you need to be stitched up because things really tear down there. And she really, truly felt the effects of what God had told her in Genesis 3.16. He said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. She had no pain medication, no epidural, no one to teach her how to do breathing, nothing. She just had to give birth. And I don't know, maybe God and I mean, maybe God did tell her more about what to expect. I don't know. She just really didn't have any other woman to hold her hand, to come alongside her. And I think that we can empathize with Eve in this process. She had nobody but God and Adam to rely on. And I think that's just really incredible. Fifth point, she was the first mother to lose a child. Wow. She gives birth to Cain and then later Abel. And her first son kills her younger son. She was the first mom to experience pain and suffering of this kind. And the scriptures don't record her feelings. They don't say how she felt. But I can imagine that she probably felt grief. And I believe that that grief was probably deep. And she was also probably, in my imagination, somewhat bewildered that one son could do that to another. This is the first recorded murder. And I think the first recorded death in scripture, human death. And she had to face that as the first one to ever experience that. No books on grief and the grief process. No one to say, hey, I've gone through this before. Let me walk alongside you. Let me hold your hand. Let me cry with you. She had Adam and she had God. And perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps this deepened her relationship with God. The only thing really that we know about this event is that scripture says in Genesis 4, verse 25, Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, this is Eve, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. So I don't know. I don't know what her feelings were. I don't know how long her grief lasted. I know that she was given another son and she credited God for that. But she was the first one to experience as a mother what it was like to lose a child. Point number six. She knew God was the giver of life. 
After she loses a child, she gives birth, obviously, to the son, Seth. And like I just read, she said, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. She knows God is the giver of life. She knows that God created Adam, that God created her, that God created her children. For me, this verse shows her deep understanding that really God is the one who provides. He's our provider and he sees us and he knows what we need. And, you know, back in Genesis 4, verse 4, when she had her first son, Cain, she had said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. So even though she was the first woman to actually give birth to a life, she knew that it wasn't her doing. She knew that God is really the one who creates human beings with the help of the Lord. I have brought forth a man. Yes, Cain and Seth came from her body. But they are the children of the Lord, too. All right. And what do these verses about Eve tell us about God? Well, I think first, God is clearly the creator. Everything was made and designed by him. Human beings were made and designed by him. The earth was made and designed by him. There is nothing that he didn't create on this earth. And I love getting to see an insight into how he created Adam and Eve. I think second, God really does give humans choices. And I don't want to pretend to fully understand the balance between, you know, God knowing everything and being sovereign on one hand, and then on the other hand, humans having the ability to make choices. I'm going to be honest and say to me, I've never felt that this was a contradiction. I don't really understand why people think it's a contradiction. My husband and I have many conversations about this. But I'm not pretending to deeply understand that by any means. I cannot fully explain it by any means. I just don't really see too big of an issue there. But I know for a lot of people, there is a deep issue um, between the idea of free will and God knowing and being in control over everything. And I think ultimately we do know that God gives human beings choices. And I think, too, that Adam and Eve in this situation, they chose sin. And they unfortunately, because they chose that, had to live in the natural consequences of sin. But God did give them that choice. Number three, God provides for his people and he redeems them. And I love thinking about someone so many years ago when I was in high school, so I don't remember who, pointed out to me once that God actually made clothes out of animal skins to properly cover Adam and Eve right? He sees them in their shame. He sees them hiding and he mercifully provides for them. He gives them much better clothes than they could make for themselves. And he made them from animal skin, which means presumably that an animal probably had to die in order for him to do that. And I think that this really points to the fact that when we sin, something must die. And we see this system in place in the Old Testament of giving offerings of animals to atone for sins. And ultimately, that was a temporary measure. But Paul says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when we sin, the natural consequences is death, in this case, an animal death, in order to cover Adam and Eve with real clothes. But the true sacrifice comes from Jesus, who, as God, 
came to earth, emptied himself and came to earth, was born from a woman, grew up from being an infant all the way to being, you know, 30 when he started his ministry and 33 when he died and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned and he sacrificed himself for our sins and his death atones for the sins that we committed past, present, and future. He is our savior. And I think that this scene really points us to the future. And even in the curse with the serpent of saying that her offspring will crush his head, we know that that Jesus will conquer sin and death when he dies on the cross in the future. And fourth, God really sees his people. I think he really saw Eve. God can examine our hearts. He knows everything about us. As I said before, we cannot hide from him. And I think that the pain she must have experienced in losing her son, he saw that. And he provided her another son, Seth. And I think that that doesn't mean that Abel's death didn't matter or that she didn't, she probably continued, I would think, to have grief over that. But Eve clearly saw the Lord providing for her in the birth of her son, Seth. God saw her and continued to provide for her. And he sees you too. Whatever you're going through, whatever's happening to you, he sees you truly as no one else can see and understand you on a deep, deep level. All right, let's summarize. What do we know about Eve? God made her the strong helper of Adam. She sinned. She felt shame. She was the first woman to be pregnant and give birth. She was the first mother to lose a child. She knew God was the giver of life. And what can we learn about God? That he is our creator. He gives humans choices. He provides for his people and he redeems them. And he clearly sees his people. Lord, thank you so much that you see us. You know us. You love us. You give us choices. We sin, God, so much. And we don't deserve your grace, but you continue to pour it out over us. You are generous and loving, and you do not abandon us in our time of need, in our suffering, in our grief. You are there always present with us. And I thank you so much for the story of Eve, that you gave us her story in the Bible. And I pray that you would draw us into deeper empathy for others. And that we would also be able to see Eve as more than just a villain or someone who who perhaps was the first sinner. We love you, Lord. Please speak to us and continue to be with us the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.